We are Science Fiction Remnant, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. This is Season 1, Episode 3, Sleeper, Gataka, for June 6, 2020. Warning, this episode contains spoilers. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Science Fiction Remnant. Thank you so much for coming back to another exciting episode. As promised in our previous episode, we have more podcast platforms to report. This week, I am happy to inform you that we are now in Overcast and Pocketcast. Stay tuned for more platforms to come. Hello everyone. Uh, for this movie, uh, Gathica, we have uh, Giancarlos again. Hello, everyone. Uh, hi, Robert. Uh, it's great to be here again in this show. Hope you guys are going to enjoy this as much as we are. Yeah, I, that was a really, this is a really good movie, Gathica. Um, I decided to do um, the sleeper theme. Um, so you, you guys are going to see... Um, sleeper in some of the episodes um you know what the definition is a sleeper i mean i i I read what the definition is online but i have my very own definition i mean typically is when a movie is um it it makes a lot less than what it was budgeted for so the studios have to pull it um because you know obviously they didn't make any any money on it um so it didn't make a lot, a lot of money on the box office, but once it releases on um, DVD and or digital, it, it kind of starts the traction, and a lot of people get to know that, and then eventually that movie makes a lot more money than it ever made. Um, but my definition is a little different. I like to think that because that movie left the studio, I mean, left the movie theaters sooner than expected, um, it, it kind of slept in people's consciousness until it kind of revives again and you know, it was sleeping and it came back to life again in the form of DVDs or digital. What do you think? Well, I actually was kind of in the blue when you told me at first if I know about sleeper movies. Like, I never even heard the, the term. And then... You told me about it, and to me, like the interpretation is like they just become hidden gems that people really haven't get the chance to see. But then again, even though it's not in the theaters anymore, they are there in the DVDs for you to watch and rewatch whenever, and to show it to all the people uh, and discover them because they are still there. And I mean, they're still great movies that they just didn't reach out to the right public. Yeah, I always I remember when I first learned about you know how important box office was to the studios. Uh, it's like you know that's kind of stupid. I mean, you know, just let the movie you know I I don't know make better marketing. But there's a lot of things that in that get involved into the mix. Like um, you know maybe that's all they could do. That maybe that's what they budgeted for and that promotion. Um, but and the heat of that promotion typically is when 
you would get the most profit from something. Yeah. So if you if you did everything you could and that movie only make that much money, then that you know that's basically it. And it that's wouldn't how, be seen as successful, you know. It, it, that's exactly. why it sees it. So you know they they had to pull it because you know that that's it. That's all they could do for that movie, uh, which is kind of sad because uh, most of those movies like like. For example, last week's movie that we did, John Carter, yeah. it technically was a sleeper. It didn't make much at the box office. They pulled it. And, and, you know, now people are discovering this movie on DVD and, you know, the movie is great. So this is what happened to this movie, Gathaka. The movie was released on October 24, 1997. And the budget, if you believe it, it was $36 million. And it only made $12.5 million at the box office. Ouch. So that's a loss of $23.5 million at the box office. That's, that's a, a gigantic loss. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the movie was great. The, you know, I, I wish they would have done more, but, you know... It's in the past. I mean, this it, it, it's a glimpse into a, a, a future um, where we have genes controlling every aspect of human life. Yeah, absolutely. And and something before we even move on, something that you were talking about the box office office factor is that. Maybe when the movie comes out, the generation, the new generation was not out there to be part of the market, you know? They were kids only there. Like, I was just a kid in 1997. You know, I watched this movie actually in the mid-2005, something like that. So the movie was not even new. And I was blown away when I watched it. I actually get to watch this movie maybe like four or six times because I like it so much. So it's not like I was there when the movie came out so I could enjoy the brand new product fresh out of the box. And that's one of the factors, actually, that I think also plays into why a movie becomes a sleeper movie, but then it blows up throughout yeah. the time of life. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there was an interview, I think, um, I can't remember who actually did it, but they asked the director, Andrew uh, Nichol, um, if he had a, you know, plans to make a sequel. I mean, the movie is great, so it would be great to be able to see a sequel, especially when we have so many questions about the movie. And um, his answer was really interesting to me. Uh, He said that um, he doesn't think that he could make the the same movie again. At the time that he made made that movie, it's a, it it was a Hollywood. It was, that was done in Hollywood. And he said that he went back and look at the movie now and he looks at that movie and it looks like an indie movie. Yeah, it, it actually gives you that feel when you look at the movie. So he honestly thinks he's not going to be able to replicate that feel if he tries to do, you know, like a, a sequel to that. And that's, that's kind of comical because, like, many other listeners would agree with me on this. You would think that with the advance of technology in film, you actually could do that easier and probably even give you a more realistic feel with what we see today as technology. You know, so you could even add some touches and still catch the feeling of the movie because the, that's this, this is something that kind of imprinted on me on the movie is that it's futuristic, but you don't see future on it. At the same time, you also see old things like these electric cars that look like old Cadillacs <laughs> and old classic cars in the 60s, you know? You know, that that's really interesting because, I mean, I, uh, I, I think 
one of the uh, the great appeals about that movie is the human aspect. You know, you you look at the sci-fi movie. Yeah, it is it is definitely a sci-fi movie, but it, it's all about the human condition. Yeah. And you you mentioned an interesting fact about you know the the the, the movie where uh, you know it's futuristic and they're driving old cars. Um, but they are electric cars. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, this is interesting because I, the movie. The, the the buildings and the cars used in the movie Gatakov, um they're you know obviously meant to um show you a piece of the future yet the building that we see is actually uh Marin County Civic Center built in 1960 in San Rafael California and the cars that we see there Citron DS, Cabriolet, and a Studebaker Avanti from the 60s. Everything is from the 60s. But they don't miss out that they have a plug just like a Tesla, and they actually have like a red laser in the doorknob, <laughs> which is like kind of curious. So it's like, it's a, it's, a, it's a sophisticated blend in between future and past that they give to the movie, you know? And, and I, I, I kind of like that uh, in, in the movie. Um, just the fact on how they can blend the past and the future into one. I think that might be one of the things that uh, the director, Andrew Nicole, cannot replicate. Is is just, you know, I, I don't know if maybe it was something that, it's just kind of like a formula. You know, you mix something and you got the perfect mixture. and You cannot make it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, even the 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 name of the movie was interesting. the The name Gathaka, and there's a, a a space center called Gathaka inside the movie Gathaka, and the movie is about genes and on, on humans. Yet the name Gathaka was actually gotten from the DNA DNA sequence. So you have GCAT for, you know, guanine, cytosine, adenine, and thymine. And that composes the actual DNA sequence. And if you look, if you get those words and rearrange them in a, in a DNA sequence, you get the name Gathaka. So it's G-A-T-T-A-C-A. Yeah, that's actually actually very very curious fact of it makes me wonder how they got to come up with this name if it if, if actually has a hidden meaning uh on it like if putting this dna sequence in some form actually gets you something you know i don't know if it might be the perfect genetic combination or something you know yeah but it's a very curious fact you know yeah i think it might just be a a, a play on the on the genetics and how the movie is based on genetics and uh, which by the way is a really Gataka portrays a really dark future where humans you know are they they, they are kind of put in this bucket where like depending on what your DNA is um, is you know what you're going to do you know what's going to be your job where you're going to live who you're going to marry uh, and, and and we migrate this um, racism into like what they call that 
Genosism. Genosism. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so you have now you're being, um, uh, if you don't have the right generic composition, you you're getting, not giving a chance. Yeah, they yeah. don't give you a chance. All you do is just watch floors and you know do do the jobs that you know that you know that not you know you can't be a lawyer or you can't be an astronaut. You have to be. Uh, you know, the, the janitor. That's all your. Yeah, that's kind of something that imprints on me. Like the character Vincent, like his own parents would tell him, like, yeah, the only way that you will be on a spacecraft is cleaning it. You know, and it was not something despective or some way to try to down talk him. It's just how things were. So people would just say it like it is what it is, and that was the normal society on the civilization and social economic structure that they play in the movie it, it and then you know you you talk about this and and i think um the movie was trying to make the 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 point so strong about the generics that at the ending i don't know if you knew this the ending was supposed to be a different ending than what we saw in the ending we're supposed to see you know like pictures of albert einstein and you know and and other famous people, and saying that um, basically to the viewer that if generic screening was available at the time, um, people like Einstein, you know, who su who suffer from dyslexia, would they be um, Einstein? You know, like basically telling the audience and making them feel uncomfortable that they are genetically inferior. And they had to cut yeah. that ending. Yeah. But it's funny that you say that because either way, the message that the movie gives you is that even if you are not born with this chance, you actually can prove them wrong. Because that's what happens in the movie anyways. Because our main character, it's this person. He's an invalid uh, specimen. And even though he had to insurpate somebody else, uh, he basically was able to do all the performances that need to be done, which couldn't be done for him in any way. Yeah, I had basically that brought up two questions for me. Like, um, yeah, you, you know, you, you're a couple. You, you or your wife go to the doctor because you're going to have a kid. And they remove all, you know, like baldness or... Uh, the possibility that you could become drunk and and they do that all kind of by default and then they ask you okay well how do you want your kid you want a boy or girl you want them uh, blue eye blonde you want them brunette you want a redhead and, and you get to pick all the stuff it's like um, trying to make the perfect human now question is like if would a perfect human still be human because yeah we <laughs> Would it even fit in what we consider society? Because what will be their perceptions of our social behaviors since they're perfect? They're not going to be socially uh, equally perceptive to us, you know? It is like, you know, going back to Einstein. Einstein suffered from dyslexia. With If Einstein did not have dyslexia, would he still be Einstein? Because I like to think that we are where we are as a product of our surroundings, 
our experiences and what we have gone through, which makes us stronger. So bringing back to the point that you mentioned, Vincent in the movie, he was supposed to last, what is it, 30.2 years? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when he was born, that's what the doctors came out and said. Now, he's, his parents, all his life, he, he grew up where, like, every little thing, every scrape in the knee, like in the movie said, it becomes like a... A, a, a life-threatening. Life-threatening. So they had to deal with that. And he, he grew up with this thing where everything was dangerous. So he decided to change this. And not only did he... He exercised, but he actually studied, and he become he became stronger mentally and physically. So now we see in the movie he's actually past, way past the, the thirty point two years mark that the doctors marked, uh, you know, told him. So my point is this: like, okay, we got to this point where where you get choice chosen, but people are known, you know, as imperfect as we may be, and actually that is our strength. That makes us um, strive for something better. Look at how athletes, for example, they start young, they start practicing, yeah. and and they become who they are because they have years and years of practice. So I, I don't know. That's something that really hit home when I was watching that movie. And, and I mean that, that that's something that that like I was saying earlier. Uh, basically, it's all a matter of conditioning. That's what makes the human body a perfect machine. And it's kind of ironic that his brother is actually genetically modified. And still, he proved in many ways that he was more capable than his own brother in certain areas. Kind of breaking this rule of law that exists in this society that they paint for us, the viewers of the movie, you know? Well, you get to see, actually, and that's a perfect example, because you get to see the progress. Because at the beginning, when they're playing chicken, and, you know, this is their, the, the game they used to play as kids when they go into the ocean and they start swimming. And whoever gets afraid, you know, afraid first, loses. And they, you know, they get to go back to shore. So at the beginning, when they started playing this game, you get to see in the movie how Vincent is the one that always stops first and Anton yeah. continues. And as you can see how he's preparing himself throughout life, at the end we get to see that again, but, well, not at the end, but like we see it twice. Uh, later down uh, the line, when they do it again, Vincent um, continues and then Anton is the one that stops. And not only that, but he almost drowned. And Vincent has to come back and save him. Now, towards the end, this repeats again. Yes. And he saved his life a it second did. time. <laughs> so, I mean, Anton is supposed to be superior, yet Vincent saved him twice. Yeah. And, and honestly, when you look at it from the performance perspective, uh, Vincent was superior to because he was able to go on. And I think he's part of that message that he gives to his brother when he asks him uh how do you do it is like i never had a trip back plan on this you know so I, he was he was planning on swimming forward and and that because I, I remember how he mentioned it originally at the beginning how he says like okay i'm gonna get um, we get into the ocean we start swimming and i gotta remember that every stroke that i do forward 
I have to do back. Yes. And then he realizes that that's what was wrong with his journey when he decided to then said, okay, um, I'm just going to go move forward. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to think about going back. And, and I, I found that really clever. It's actually clever and it's actually very related to all wisdom that I have read in other books uh, where they say it's not about the goal, it's about the journey, you know? Yep. So basically, if you're doing this journey, but everything you think is about the finish line, uh, you're going to be, you're going to find all the obstacles that are going to make, make it harder for you. But when you're present throughout the journey, it becomes automatic. You're not getting those stressors. You're not actually thinking of you getting, like in the case of the movie, getting tired all the way along. He's not thinking of this of, of these things. Yeah, yeah. And that, so, I mean, I guess that the movie has a lot of um, ethical questions concerning yes. generic manipulation. It it actually started. And I I think I remember this. Um, it, it started a what they, they used to call the Gathaca argument, and, um, which basically talks about the idea of generic engineering that will lead a big divide between the rich and the poor. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you know, like everything at the beginning, it, it incurs costs because, you know, um, let's take, for example, Tesla, for example, he had an idea and he wanted to make that idea a reality. So he came out with the roaster. They, I don't know what was the initial price, but it was something like, you know, maybe it was a million dollars, maybe it was 300 something, but whichever the price was be, it was not for the average person. And it was a way for him to get that capital so then he can make the next car. I watched a documentary about this. I think it was like about $24,000 actually. Which it was a fortune back in the day, don't get me wrong. So uh, my point is this, like if generic engineering becomes a, becomes a reality, which, you know, I, I, I kind of doubt, but if it does become a reality, um, you know that only the rich will afford it. Because, yeah. you know, the, there has to be a way to pay for research and all the, you know, everything that's going to be put into place to get that rolling. So... What's going to happen is the rich are going to afford it. The poor cannot because the price is going to be way too high. So now we're going to have a big divide. So only the rich are like the pure, you know, genetically engineered, while the poor are know. natural born people, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. I was just thinking about that. Um, and another thing is too is like, um, yeah, you could you could get genetically engineer, um, you know, humans. You 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 deal with it in vitro, um, but you're there already. The temptation will be too great to continue. Yeah. So, like, okay, I agree. Great, we can remove the diseases. We can remove the the possibility that this person can develop alcoholism or whatever, but. I mean, now that you're manipulating, and this is what I think it becomes ethical, is like, what's to stop that doctor or the scientist to then say, okay, uh, what color eyes you want on your baby? What color, you know? And then we start changing and making these changes to where 
now we have the the perfect human and it brings the question back to like we are humans because of our imperfections like will a genetically perfect human still be human yeah and and here's an observation actually that you can see depicted in the movie which is pretty curious to see when you're looking at the invalid individuals they look every single one of them unique on their own manner but when you look at the valid individuals that are making the line to get into the rocket they look like robots they are expressionless they are cold and calculated very mm -hmm, well composed mm -hmm. so it's like you can see like the lack of humanity in the character that they expose when they are showing it in the movie. And I think that this was one of the messages too that the director probably was trying to give on this social issue, dilemma that brings uh, genetic modification. Yeah, and, and it, it got really close. It got too close for home because um, I think it was in, you probably heard this in the news in 2018. I don't know if it was a scientist or a doctor, uh, Chinese, um, Hei Jiaqiui, I think. He announced the birth of uh, twin girls that were, um, they had their genomes edited by him. And that, it, it, it just brought it this uproar. Uh, he actually ended up being um, um, kicked out of the university for this. I mean, granted, he did a, a couple other things, but uh, and also in the end, I don't think that they ever proved that that actually did anything. But that's actually the beginning. This is how you know and how it starts. And I mean, you know that regardless of the social dilemmas, something like this bring that will not stop people from trying and trying to run trials on such concepts. You know, one way or another, they will continue it. For the sake of science, for pro progress of humanity, uh, they always try to look at that what they would call the big picture, but really it's just for the interest of the concept, really, you know. Yeah, and it's also scary because, you know, we have people, you know, like um, Einstein and Hawkins, and I mean, you just mentioned the best one there, Hawkins. Yeah, yeah. How brilliant was this guy? Yeah. And he had all the disability. So, say this becomes a reality, like, are we going to continue advancing? I mean, I like to think again that these people got to where they are because of the journey they took. Yeah. It was a hard journey, so they had to press more than more, most people in their situation. And they got a bigger drive, and they got to where they are, and they discovered the things they did because of the situation. That and brings me back to the to the fact that you know the the imperfections of us is what makes us human. Absolutely, you actually can see that these are some other social uh, uh, behaviors that they show different in the movie from the highly genetic individuals compared to the invalid ones where even the way that they court each other you see that the way that they the, the valid individuals court each other it's not about who you are your persona uh what makes you 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 know it's about are you valid what are your percentages what are your numbers you know well invalid individuals they're not looking at this they are simply getting to know each other and literally uh, the factor that gets them together is their personalities, you know? So there is a full-on 
uh, what makes us human really that that human touch and you can see it all over the place when you watch the movie actually that divide that kind of separation of behavior social behavior it's i don't know i found that a little sad too when you know forget about that cup of coffee forget about you know that that short initial discovering date between two people it is all sums up into like okay here's a lock on my hair um look it up and call me if you're interested yeah (laughs) (laughs) wow okay so (laughs) i don't know it leaves me wonder it leaves me wonder if that would become a reality what kind of society we're gonna be living in in a hundred years you know yeah it's sure it's gonna be different because it's what i said earlier on the show uh it's going to change us as social animals it does it changes our behavior because since it makes us higher beings when it comes to genetics it does affect our emotions because usually that's why we say by the intelligence is that emotions usually gets in the way so mm-hmm. they tend to be less emotional and more logical you mm-hmm. know because those are the logical better choices yeah and, and this uh, this gets all the way into like your your um your work, your job as well. I mean, I know in 2008, Congress passed a, a, a law. Uh, I think it is called the Generic Information Non-Discrimination, Non-Discrimination Act, or GINA for short. Uh, it says that em- employers or insurance companies um, cannot base their decisions ba- you know, on genes. But it, it is very easy to see workarounds like we saw in the movies you know that apparently that was still which is kind of funny because the movie was in 1997 this act passed in 2008 so it might be because of the movies because a lot of things a lot of things happened because of how the movie portrays the future so uh, but any uh, any word any words this what happened here is vincent went into this interview and although it is illegal to supposedly in this world is illegal to based on your genes. They still have you take a urine test and take an illegal look to see if you're good enough to train. Yeah, which is which is uh, where where my uh, idea of how this is gonna affect everything at the end of the day is that when you go to a job, what's what matter is your performance. And what does your gene give you an advantage? It's your performance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie is so powerful that you have in, in, in 2013, Scientific America mentioned the film as a warning about the consequences of gene manipulation. Yeah. And in 2014, we have Slate Magazine said the movie may have been credited in part with preventing this very the very future that it illustrates. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So we got a lot of people paying attention, and um, as as to you know what this future looked like, and you know and how we we might have been headed that way. And and okay, this looks like that. We might not want this, so let's change our our ways. So. And, and did you know, back in 1980s, I found this a little funny too. In 1997, and this shows you about the human condition. They actually did a social experiment on 1997 where 
when the movie released, they actually came out with a um, a promotion. They have billboards, I think. They have it in a newspaper where they had um, an ad. It was a fake ad. Uh, actually, <laughs> they have uh, Washington Post. Um, they were offering couples to generically alter their baby's embryos with the tagline, children made to order. And they had, you know, had the possibly the possible generic traits that could be added or removed from the child and together with the company's phone number. And we had thousands of couples calling. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> but but it tells you it tells you, I mean, I wouldn't call it merely ignorant, but there's some lack of consciousness about the negative impact that it could have. They just look at it as an advantage for their children at the end of the day, probably. And they are not thinking of the bigger picture of the effect that that's going to take a society of, on how this is going to also segregate these individuals from our current society as well. Because that's something else that's going to happen to uh, because of these different pathways of thought being more logical beings. They are not going to just simply fit in in what we see today as society. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and to be fair, I, I do understand these parents' call back in 1987 because, you know, they wanted to alter the kids. Maybe, you know, I'm a parent and maybe they're, they have the same thoughts. You know, if there's a way that I could make sure my kids don't develop a heart problem don't develop diabetes don't develop this i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and Hell do cake, it yeah the, the where this becomes a you know a, a very thin line is you know if you could do this where do you stop yes you know where's the line where's the line you know who draws the line where's the line drawn that you know, okay, now that we're taking diabetes away from my kid, uh, you know what, I I want my kid to have a blue eye and a, and a green eye, you know, or, you know, I, I don't know, that's that's where we, and, and partly how we saw in the movies how, like, we even have uh, religious leaders talking about, you know, who are we to play God? Yeah. And I mean, it, it also leaves me wonder, like, you see, like, many parents, they have dreams of their own that they want their children to carry on, for example. And it ends up being, okay, so at the end of the day, it's like you're making your children live your, your dreams, and they should live their own dreams, you know? So if I want my kid to be a, a swimming champion, I'm going to ask for them to give him the genetics. What if my kid doesn't want to be a swimming champion, actually? So what's he going to do with the skills that he has <laughs> that he cannot use in any other sport, probably, or another skill? Or maybe he lacks creative thinking because he's too logical for it, God knows. So, But he's made that way. He wasn't given that choice. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm changing the topic a little. You know how... NASA usually calls out movies, um, like it gives you the possibility of a movie. NASA actually came out in 2011 saying that um, the movie Gathaca was the most plausible science fiction movie ever made. Oh wow! And, and it's because of the science behind it. I mean, we came close to it with that experiment with a twin in China. And I know that we haven't got 
and we haven't gotten further on it because it has gotten stopped to it because of the possible negative impacts, our fear to it, you know. Uh, but God knows how far we will be at right now if they would just be putting all the resources on these kind of projects, you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, I mean that the movie actually does a really good job, uh, you know, telling you that you know that this might not be the best future, and and yeah, <laughs> everything that they did, yet you have an invalid someone that is not genetically engineered being the best of the best at the Gattaca Institute enough to be a, a, a astronaut and go on the mission to Titan at the end. Yeah. Uh, on top of all these valid or genetically engineered people, I mean, that must be a slap in the face, especially when this guy is supposed to last 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I think that's very realistic. I mean, Given the obstacles, most humans will try to strive to pass, you know, to go over them and, and, and you know, be successful. Yeah. And I think that is the part of the journey that makes us better, you know, seeing what our challenges are and working towards those challenges to get to our goal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I think this movie was excellent because what happens in the film is a possibility. It has a very real possibility of becoming a reality. Um, and not only that, but it's also exploring the moral dilemmas in the process. The movie does come very close to home. It, it does, it does. And, and, and again, I've noticed there's a pattern on science fiction that I can mention. I think I mentioned in the last episode as well, is that we create things, uh, which is kind of our God uh, element as mm -hmm. beings, is mm -hmm. that we create things. And we create science fiction, and then you see that somehow it's really happening decades after. So well, I, I, I very I believe very strongly and I think I may be wrong, but I think that, you know, we have people um, that grew up with the stories like let me take, for example, um, Star Trek, the original series. And you have this kids fascinated with when Captain Kirk comes out and pulls his communicator and it flips it open. And what happened now? This kid grows up and becomes you know either a scientist or or someone that is into technology yeah and they're in a position where they get to invent a phone and now we have the flip phones of the 80s oh, who would have told you that you would have a touchscreen phone <laughs> you know a like tablet. we didn't have that in the 90s <laughs> you know kids that grew up with dick tracy and now we have apple watches or samsung watches you know, it's, it's, I think it's a classic example of um, um, uh, art imitating, no, science imitating art. Yeah, you could call it that, actually. You could call it that, actually. So, do you guys, uh, I'm very interested to, to hear if you guys like the movie. I mean, do you guys agree with our comments? Um, what are your views? Yeah, I mean, with a with a 
perfect human still be human? I mean, will will Einstein without dyslexia still discover, you know, EMC square? You know, uh, would you order a perfect baby? Um, let, let us know what, what your thoughts are. Well, this is the end of our show for now. Please do let me know if you like this episode and if you have any ideas about which topics you would like me to discuss on the next episode. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at C-A-N-D-3-L-A. And if you like this podcast, share it and rate us on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcast platforms. This will help us grow. Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant, signing off.